Okay, so what is our current series about? It's the same one, Felicia. And like um, the people who actually founded the country, and the fact that they they did found 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 they found they did they did no they did they, they founded, founded it, it um, they found on, it yeah they founded it on you're saying founded it stop they founded it on Christian beliefs, and that's where like our that's where like our laws come from pretty much. Okay, and what's Yes. Um, sort of. Yep. And what is some of the core tenets of why of these different freedoms? Like, do you know? Sorry. What do you know? What I mean by core tenets. Like the very thing that makes them what they are. Yes. Yep. That's a good way to say it. And so each person has kind of signified one of these things that we find very important to us. Who's, okay. the, who's the first guy? Okay. Do you Langton, remember? Stephen Langton. Yep. Yeah. And he got to be the bishop, right? He's like the archbishop. Yep. So he was the leader of the church in England. Yeah. Not to say what he did. Well, just like the one phrase or word for the important um, freedom that he brought about. Or help to bring about. Wasn't it just like religious freedom? Like, with, like, didn't he give. It was the Magna Carta. It was the Magna Carta. And he made King John sign it, right? Yep. So that. Uh, he wouldn't have three. power over the church. They, they could sell whatever they wanted to do they wanted it. So that. Nope. So that they could get wood. I remember oh. that part. Okay, yes. That's. Is that a different one? No, it's related, yes. We did talk about that with this one, too. So, who whose right is it, though? The people. The rich people who own land. It was, but what was different about that? It went to everyone. No, what, like the church? Really? No, nope, we're not even, they really didn't talk about the church. It's is, not about the church's freedom yet. Is that the one where... Everyone has, it's like everyone's equal or something. Okay, yes. Like What's a word that we use for this type of, free, it's a type of freedom? Um, inalienable, right? Nope. Indep oh, mm -hmm. I don't know. In Hang on. Individualism. Individual freedom. Because oh. like Gideon said, it started with just anybody who was a landowner, but then they later down down the road, like a hundred years later, they change it to any person, no matter what his state. Even if you don't own land. Yes. Okay. So it started the almost like a snowball effect to get to everybody has rights, no matter who you are. And it took a long time, really, up until um, like seventy years ago. Still, people didn't have all equal rights, right? Like how most of the time it was for men only. Like how when it started, it was for rich people and men only. Told. Yes, but 70 years ago, uh, what was the problem? The race, like, right, right. Like slavery, like, not, not slavery, slavery, just like, um, like, inequality. Inequality, right? Like that treated, segregated schools, right? They're not right? treated as nicely. Right. Uh, preferential seating on buses. You know, that kind of stuff, right? So it's taken a long time. It's been a process, but we can trace it back to this guy, Langton, who found these truths in the Bible, okay? So who was next then? Okay, Winthrop. Yep. What about Winthrop? Okay, he, he was a Puritan, yeah? Was he a Puritan? He yes. A yes, he's a Puritan. Yeah, I thought you were going to say. He's a separatist. No, no, those are the opposite no. people. Oh. The separatists are the ones that want to drop the church, and the Puritans are the ones who want to fix it. He did come to America, but he didn't come for religious freedom. Okay. So, what was important about John Winthrop? Well, 
Was he also a Quaker? Or no. That? no. Okay. That's, that's later. That's they the have. They're guy. not around that's yet. That's guy. Yep. Okay. He. So he came to America. Came to America. With. with... <laughs> what did he do when he got here? Oh, is he, he created the the tree thing on the boat for a Yes. Okay. They figured out their laws and their rules, mm -hmm. which were. Was he the one that? No, I feel like that's the other guy. Was he the one that came to Massachusetts? He did come to Massachusetts. Okay. We have two guys though who came to Massachusetts. He was the governor, yes. And what was his goal for the city of Boston? To be a city on a hill. Yes. yes. A city on a hill. What does that mean? It means Some everyone sees you, right? Like. Yeah. Example. An example. So. It like was, it's different from the rest. Like I remember Levi giving that example. I was driving your aisle through miles and miles of corn. Once he got there, it was like a city on a hill because it stood out because it was actually beautiful, like really large. Okay. And what what is the because um, it's not just about us ha about building a city that's the best city. What does that really mean? It's a city that shows like an example bit. Example of what? Of being good Christians, right? Like following God. <clears throat> yes. So God centered, right? Okay. And then we have kind of uh, the other side of the corn coin corn. The other side of the coin. Who? Or is the next one Penn? Nope. Before that guy? Before Penn. Well. Well, they're, these, all three of them are contemporaries. They all lived. Uh, who's the other guy? It's not John. Is it like, does it start with a C? No. But it is all classic English names. Is it James? Nope. It's. What is Give his me name? Or, oh, hang on. Hang on. I can't remember. It's like, uh, first and second. Oh, what's his name? First and oh. last. No. What do you think the last name is? This should be easier. Was it? Was it? No. no. I, I'm like, is it white? It's like, <laughs> no, it's one of the number one last names in like the United States. What? With a W. Roger Williams, right? Okay, so what he's different from Winthrop, even though they're friends or they are acquaintances. Like, oh, yeah. He was the guy We did. That was back with the Magna Carta. That was during that time. No, that's that's pun. Right? He became friends with the Indians. No, pen is the one. He becomes friends with the Indians also, but it's. Are you talking about the guy who bought the land from the Indians instead of taking it? Well, that is, Roger did, um, he was, well, he did not buy land from the Indians, but he did think that the English should have bought all the land from the Indians oh. instead of taking well, it. Well, because when the guy got Pennsylvania, instead of taking it, he gave them money for it. Right. But what about Roger Williams? <laughs> I remember his name. I don't think I was here when you guys What did he found? He founded. Oh, is it a type of church? Nope. Well, sort of. Like sort a, of. Country or something or place? I wasn't here. Yeah. Let's start with he's a separatist, right? Yeah. Did he. They find a place like a country? So if you're a separatist, what do you think about the role of government? in the church. Separation of church and state. Yes, there we go. Separation of church and state. And what did he found? He founded. Uh, Probably never been here. Parliament. Nope. No. <laughs> I don't know. It's in the US. Probably never been there? Probably not. Why? Why not? Because it's really small. Rhode Island. Rhode Island, yes. He founded Rhode Island. He got a special charter and they were the first place where 
it was a complete democracy and that um, the government did not say this is our specific religion, that you could oh. be whatever religion you wanted yeah. and that you have freedom of that. Okay. So he was different from Winthrop where he said, I want anybody to be able to choose. Whereas Winthrop said, this is, these are the laws of God. Now they both agreed that those were the laws of God, but Winthrop or Roger Williams wanted you to have the choice. Okay. So two different concepts. Neither of them are in, inherently wrong, but they both have their own challenges to deal with. Okay. All right. Uh, William Penn then. You um, talked a little bit about him. So listen, this guy here. Yes. So, okay. They, okay. So basically, he's a Quaker. And, what does that mean? Okay, so he's like a pacifist, pretty much. So pacifists okay, yep. don't attack people like they don't believe in violence. Yep. So. Um. So he's the guy that. Let's see, his hat, he had to go to court for something, right? Yeah, and this is what I remember. His hat flew off in the wind, him and his friend. And so they went into the court, and they don't take their hat off for anyone but God. And so the court person put hats on them, and then was like, take them off. I remember that. And he, yes, and he was like, well, you just ordered me to put it on, so. That's what I remember. <laughs> and and that he got Pennsylvania and then he bought it. Okay. Yes. So what else is different about the Quakers? They um wait, wasn't I can't remember I'm pretty sure all the land was owned by Penn William it was William Penn, right? He owned all the land and then he split it up between everybody there. Okay. Is he? Oh, okay. The Quakers are also the people who started like the the women's suffrage. Like they they okay that men right. And women men and women are equal. are equal. Yep, that was unique, right? Mm -hmm. So that's something that we just talked about, right? That it took a long time to get to that because. I'm not going to remember this. What Did anybody know what year women? 1921, 1920. Okay. So a long time, right? Over 200 years? 300, 250 years before? Yep. It was like 253 years, something like that. Yep. So it took a long time to finally get to that, but he, again, is planting that seed. Okay. So um, tonight we're going to look at our first American-born. Yeah. I mean, he's English, but he was just born here. Isn't there a rule saying that, saying that if you're born on American soil, you are American no matter what? Yes, but he was also born before there was an America. This is before even the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. Not really, because American wasn't really a word, was it? No. It wasn't America. It was yeah, but they land. didn't even call TV TV for Pleasant Television. They say, hey, governor, how about you watch the Teddy? What? Well, they didn't have television. that, but yes. That's, yeah, tell That's me. what dialect is. Right. Yeah, and governor literally meant like French to them. Okay. But, so, the guy we're looking at tonight is Eliezer Wheelock. I've heard of the name Eliezer. And I don't know if it's from this guy, but well, there's a one in the Bible. Wheelock. There's a few Eliezers out there. Eliezer. Not a whole lot. Um, he's the one of the first ones. If you were to Google Eliezer, that pops up. There's some other, I don't know, influencer artist out there who has the name Eliezer. I even look at who it was, but anyways, Eliezer Wheelock is born in Connecticut on a farm in 1711. So we're getting closer to the Revolutionary War. It's a little bit more and getting to that time period where things are going to look more familiar to usually where American history starts. And he attends Yale University in 1733. He's a smart boy. 
Yes, but also remember, this is still the new world, and nobody Yale's not necessarily outside a of the college yet. Yeah, <laughs> that prob. I don't think that was even a designation yet. So these are, although they're not bad schools, it's the equivalent of. Um, just like community college or something. Well, there's you know there's only a few here, but it would be if you said I went to I don't know even know like Iowa University or something oh, like, like that. You just be like, oh yeah, it's just a university. Yeah. Okay, they they don't have an illustrious history that's being made right now, so in this time here. So he attends in 1733 and he graduates with a theological degree. Anybody know what that means? Yes, he did. Like religion? Is yes. It more general, like theology? Well, then it would definitely have all been Bible and Hebrew and Greek centered. It would not have been as broad. Um, but what does theology mean? Isn't it the study of God? Yes. Theo means God, yeah. and then ology is study of. Yes. So he study he's studying about God, and why would you get that degree? Yeah, you're going to go into the ministry. Typically, that's why you get that degree, or you're going to teach. <laughs> Well, he, um, he ends up doing both of those things. So he, first he becomes a pastor in Lebanon, Connecticut. Not Lebanon, the country. <laughs> Lebanon, Connecticut. And he does that for 34 years. During this time, he is part of a major movement, a major revival movement in the U.S. Anybody ever heard of this. Is it, does it start with an R? It's called the Great... Great, oh, I Maybe, like you guys may have not, I don't know, maybe no, you guys don't I even study like this in school probably anymore. Probably not, but I feel like I've heard, I feel like once I hear it, I'll be like, oh, The yeah, Great yeah. Awakening. Uh, I've heard, I, yeah, I've heard that, I've but never I, heard I don't that. think I didn't know what, if I did hear it, I didn't know what it was, and I didn't learn what it was. Has everyone done American history already? Not yet. Not yet. I didn't. Did you like, yes, just, Yeah, I did. Okay. I did US history. You did. Okay. U.S. history is it's in height. <clears throat> there. Probably. I mean, I did. You should because yeah, well, you yeah, should hopefully. Oh really? You don't take it until you're a junior. Oh well, you have you have to take it to graduate. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a regents, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there are actually two great awakenings. This is the first one, and there will be another one in like another hundred years. There's another one that occurs. And this one, you ever hear of John Wesley? No. John Wesley. You should, because we re we sing a lot of. His, him and his brother's hymns, the Wesley brothers. Um, yeah, let me. I didn't think I'd have to think of any. Um, exactly. You should have had that prepared. You should have. Had I should have. But we weren't studying the Wesleys. I thought you just know who they were. Um, well, the Wesley brothers are some of these preachers that travel around. <clears throat> and they, um, Eliezer is also one of the famous ones. Have you ever heard of Jonathan Edwards? Yeah, I've heard that. Okay, he's probably the most famous one for preaching. And they would travel all over America on horseback, going from town to town and preaching in the square, preaching in churches. And there was, um, they said, some in I think something like Boston alone, there were twenty or thirty thousand converts or people who came to Christianity, which is a lot then because the cities were not huge. So right, not not yet. So he is a huge part of this, and during this time, he feels a calling to minister to the local Indians and. 
to do that, he starts a school for them. And he does. Um, not so much. Well, yes, but he's still he's part of. Before. Yeah, it's before before that, so he still belongs to England. He's under their rule. I feel like they just kind of belong. Hmm? They, that he belongs to England. I feel like that's not really. Like that's your nationality. You kind of belong. Like yeah, that's where you're associated with. No, I just feel like it's weird. Well, you belong to New York State. In America. Technically, not if I change my passport, which I do not even own one. What? No. But my father even no. Lost the fact that you were born here, you belong to the state. Well, you can leave the state and be. According to the fact that my dad lost both records of my birth record. Okay. Both but, of them. Yes. Alright, we're getting way off track and you can get copies of that. So, here is, he's going to start a school for the Indians and he does it right there in his little town where he's still preaching. And um, he also has, at the same time, he has a farm that, um, I think they said it was 60 acres of farm that he runs and he builds boarding houses there and has a place for all the Indians to come and live on his farm. And he teaches these Indian men how to farm at the farm. And he teaches them English and to read and write. And of course, he's, this is all done with the Bible. He's teaching them the Bible through this. And his primary purpose for starting this is he wants them to be able to go and be missionaries to their own tribes that they came from. And while he's the school, he does not charge anything to go there. Instead, he relies um, on the boys that are there to work on the farm and that they work there for free, but in return they have room and board, which means they get three meals a day and they have somewhere to sleep. And then they're doing um, their schooling at the same time. And the other thing that helps them keep it running is donations. And he, in addition to the Indians that are there, he is also starts the first co-ed school. You know what that means? Both genders. Yeah, so he has both girls and guys at the school learning side by side, sort of. Now, you always have to remember the time in which they live in. They had it where girls entered on the right and boys mostly entered on the left and girls couldn't learn certain things like math. I don't know about the entering on the right and left for his school. But, yes, they, they learned different things because at the time, your occupation was the... Lady of the house, right? Yeah, you ran the household, you so learned sewing, cooking, cleaning. Yes, and what he called, manners. what they called those were uh, wifery skills. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, remember, this is what this is what not just what society expected you to do, but what you also look forward to looked forward to doing yeah, because I that's be, I would rather be right Nobody that was just the culture like, there were of course there's always outliers right. but like most of the people back then weren't like women's rights like they, right they, they like right and so this and it was it was already something for him to step out and have women and men going to the same school and i'm sure there was overlap he did teach them like to be literate and whatnot reading and writing as well but where the men were probably out in the field planning stuff, the women were learning how to probably pluck a chicken and roast a chicken. And probably, I mean, and probably learning like sewing and how to yes. sweep the floor and all that. Yes, exactly. So, um, he, he has one star student at his school who even learns Greek and Hebrew, which is pretty impressive. And his he's an Indian. His name is Samson... Occam, O-C-C-O-M, and he is a Mohegan Indian, and he 
is one of his, it's kind of his, what everybody in history sees as his, uh, like his pinnacle of achievements besides one other later one. I wonder if he ever knew the Chippewas. Uh, he may have. I'm not sure. Um, so, he does not find a lot of success, though, with his school because he ends up only having a few who be end up becoming missionaries, his main goal. And um, after Occam, uh, Samson, after Samson Occam has gone through his schooling, has graduated from um, what would be like a middle school or high school degree, he ends up going to England and doing a speaking tour there. What do you think the purpose of that might be? Spread the gospel. No? Look, I want money. Yes. Well, though, he's going on his own. He, um, Wait, who? The Indian, Samson. Oh, oh, oh. Why would he go to England and do a speaking tour? To prove that they can learn what we can? Yes. What do you need to do to teach more people? You have to. But what do you need from people in England? Cooperation. Yeah, so that helps public image. Their acknowledgement. What makes the world go around? Money. Needs money for the school, right? He runs on donations. He doesn't, um, he's not wealthy on his own. So that's why Samson goes there and he raises money. Um, during that time, while Samson is gone, Eliezer begins to plan to build and run and start up a college for Indians. So beyond just your basic literary skills um, and basic Bible skills, he wants to start a college for the Indians. And this was not in the least popular in America and not much more popular in England. And there's one story that Wheelock was visiting a church and while he's there he asks for an offering for the Indian school, passes the basket, you know, uh, have you ever been at a church with an offering plate? I bet all of y'all probably like a dime or something. Can you an offering plate? Do you yeah. know what that? Okay, so. Yeah, grandpa. I bet you. Had a what? I bet like you probably only got like a dime or something. Oh yes. We don't do that. No, we do oh, not yeah. do that. But yes, so but a lot of churches do this. So, it, and they're passing the offering plate around for the Indian school, and it comes back to them and it has two bullets in it. <laughs> I mean, it. two bullets? Are you being serious? Yes. That sends a pretty strong message. We're not giving you any money, and in fact, here's two bullets. Like, if you come here again, we'll probably shoot you. It's probably like a warning or something. Yes. It, it, it's either that, or maybe they thought you should just shoot the Indians. More like kill yourself, kind of, because he was one of them. Well, he, no, this is Wheelock in America. Oh, they're probably saying, yeah. they're probably saying shoot the Indians in yourself, then maybe. I, I don't know if it was that strong to shoot yourself, but they definitely they did not like the Indians. Now, to be understand, there are Indians that were hostile. There were this is during the French and Indian War, is when Wheelock um, starts all of this, and so there uh -oh. things are tense. But imagine if one of them took him hostage. Then what? Like one of the ones he had. Well, yeah, but it didn't happen, so, and you have to remember, he's trusting the Lord to be on his side, and um, it goes a little bit better in England for Occam while he's there, and he actually gets the, a good amount of money from the Scots, the Scottish there, and also the biggest donor is a guy named Lord Dartmouth. Oh, you ever heard of, I've heard of Dartmouth. Dartmouth? I've heard of that. What is it now? I've is heard it, of the thing today. I know what I've it is. I've heard of the word Dartmouth College, but I've never heard of the Lord Dartmouth. Yeah, Dartmouth College. Does that draw some lines now? Okay. So they, so that's how they get the naming of the college that Wheelock founds, and they build it in New Hampshire, which. 
is really the wilderness right now. There's like hardly anything up there. There's a little town and why would he build it in the wilderness? Because it's for the Indians. Because it's for the Indians, closer to them. Yeah, they mostly live in the wilderness and want to hunt deer, chop down trees. Some other reasons is it's he had a hard time getting property because every time he said, well, it's a school for the Indians, a lot of the areas that might have given him land said, well, we don't want that. Either. Just, just say it's a lot of area for schools and colleges. Not to let them know it's for the Indians. Well, he wants to be truthful, so. Technically, it is for schools and colleges. Yeah, but that's kind of, uh, that's less than forthcoming with the truth. So, he ends up, he did, though, in the end, make a concession for the school. That it ended up being a school for the settlers, the white people, along with the Indians. It was for both in the end. Uh -oh. That's how he was able to get enough money because it was difficult to raise the money otherwise. And the unfortunate thing is that the, in the end, only three Indians were graduated during his time running the school. Was there a fight or something, an attack? He, they just didn't get a lot of Indians that wanted to, it was, difficult on both sides both to get people to donate money towards it and also to get the Indians to want to accept the um, the white culture that was brought in. Why not tell them that they keep their own culture after they left the school and college? Um, Maybe not they would have to give theirs up. They did. They did in a lot of ways have to give it give up because they were embracing a new type of lifestyle by going there it's just like if you were to, even if you were today to say you wanted to go study abroad in um scotland Ireland. well i was thinking a little bit more different let's say japan you would embrace you would have to eat their food you would have to follow their rules i would eat soba Right, so and some of those things you would want to. There's other things that you probably wouldn't enjoy about their culture, or things that would frustrate you. So it's this, it's a similar type of thing. Um, and many times we, when we look at these different men that we've studied so far, that we see, we're looking at their accomplishments during their lifetime and they don't seem very grand. They're not anything amazing. You say, oh, he, found, well, he founded an Ivy League school. Yeah, but again, remember, this is just, it was some log cabins in the wilderness. Like, that's all it was. It wasn't anything impressive yet. And, but it's, you have to think of all these things. It's like planting a seed or that, like when you throw a little rock in the water, you get that one ring, and you get another ring, and you get a ripple effect that comes out that keeps affecting further on down the line. Even though it seems like small little decisions, they have an effect farther on throughout history. And because of him, Winthrop, Penn, um, they set a certain tone with the Indians that although it wasn't carried on by a lot of other people there you could name tons of people who were terrible to the Indians you could talk about Jackson you could talk about uh, Custer you could talk about all these other people that did awful things with the Indians but they at least were there and created some good relationships with the Indians and one of these is that when the Indians, uh, the Cherokee and the Sioux, were pushed out of the south, they, um, and you might know it better as the Trail of Tears. Oh, yeah. Everybody hear that? Okay. No. They... It's just basically when the Indians were forced to travel like a really long time out of the They way. were forced to travel all the way to Oklahoma. Yeah. In the end, from like Florida, Georgia area. And like a lot of them died. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Almost. And now, 
this is something that might not might not have talked about a lot, but many of these Indians were already super what you would call colonized at that point. Where they like were tribes and they lived in certain areas and certain groups. Well, that. more than that, the, like been there for a long time. they had started farming, which the Indians hadn't done before that, not in the Western sense. They had, a lot of these Indians had gone to schools like Dartmouth. They had, so they were literate, they could read and write. They were dressing like white people, a lot of them, not all of them. And they even, some of them even owned slaves. They had really accepted the, the Western and the English and the Dutch like culture. The slaves thing, but that was not something that kind of reminds me of my grandma. Right, so there's good and bad things, right? But the good thing that comes out of the Trail of Tears, obviously terrible thing, never shouldn't have happened, but a good thing that comes out of it is these Indians, when they get to Oklahoma and Arkansas, start the first schools that are for only Indians run by Indians. And some of those schools are still there today. Um, so, these things that even the world today considers good, things like diversity, equality, education, are a direct result of something that Wheelock and others believed in strongly. Have you ever heard of the Great Commission? No? You probably have. Do you, I'll start here. What do you think the word commission means? It's when you give, it's like, what, like money that you make. Like, oh. Like, <laughs> is that not the same? It is, but there's that's there, a different definition of commission. There's also another commission where, like, sometimes you have to move to certain areas for work and all that or something like that. I'm trying to think. Oh, you're thinking of, um, um, that's the other definition. I'm thinking of a different. Okay. There can be, yes. So commission in this sense of the great commission is not a great amount of money. It is an empowered with authority to carry out a task. Oh, okay. Oh, like you have to tell this person to do that, otherwise you're fired. Like you have to tell them to do this, and you have to do that, by yeah. telling them to do this. Or just like you have to tell someone to tell someone to do something, or you have to tell someone to do something. Not quite. Like you, give them, like you have to tell them they have to run this place like you have to have that oh yes okay that's closer yep so here let me ask you another one do you know what it means to enlist like you have like, if, like okay can i use a military as an example yes like if i enlist in the military i volunteer myself okay um it can be volunteered but it can also be a just you are enlisted like a draft. Like, kind of like you're enrolled. So, yes, exactly. That is the definition. If you look it up, it'll say enrolled. Now, there's also, you can receive a commission in the army. Do you know what that means then? You can receive like, a certain type of check or something for like, the amount of work you do. Was there a power of authority? Yes. Like, you, have a group, you have a group of people that you're in charge of? Yes. Is that like what you did? It is. Who gets commissioned then in our military? The leaders. Officers. Do you know who commissions the officers? The indirectly. The huh? The bigger officers. Well, they'll perform the ceremony. But who's who's the military general? No. Higher than that. Who's the 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 president is the commander in chief. Your commissioning papers have his signature on them. So he is giving you, empowering you with authority to carry out his task, whatever the overall mission for the army is. And then it gets more detail as it comes down. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 28 to read about the Great Commission. Now that you have a definition. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. 
<clears throat> before, yep. Matthew 28, the last three verses of the whole book. Now, this is after Jesus has died. This is after he rose again. And now he has spent time with the disciples in his new body and talked with them and uh, told them what's going to happen in the future and visited people. And now he's going to leave and go to heaven until he returns. They don't know this, but they're not going to see him again. So let's go ahead and read verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Okay, why do you think this is called the Great Commission? Because God told them to do like a job, like you have to spread things to all the nations. Oh, you have notes? They're being put responsible for spreading what all, everything they just learned in the past three, however long. Right, the gospel, right? We call it the gospel, the good news. And so you said, you all said he's telling them what to do. But, like he's telling them to spread the word to other people. Yep. But, people but what more is he giving them along with the instructions? It's their job to baptize the nations. Of nope. Nope. What else is he giving along with those instructions in that job? Give all power to His him on guidance. heaven and, and in earth. I give all power to him. Right. He is giving them authority and power to do it. Right? He's commissioning them because commission is empowered with the authority to carry out a task. Yeah, like in his name. Yes, in his name. That's what gives them the power. So, why do you think, how does this relate then to Eliezer, William Penn, and Roger Williams? What did all three of them do? They have one one thing in common. Something that had to do with God? Yes. Uh, yep. Like they all talk. But about all God. these, all five of these have to do with God. What did these three have different from these two? They actually went around and taught people about them. Yeah, they who? They, some of them did yeah. like the Indians and some of them did like other people. They brought yes. people to okay. it instead of just like... All three of these spread the gospel or and through their lives, their example to Indians, all three of these. Now, other people like Langton, obviously he was archbishop and he did his own people right there in England and nothing wrong with that. Same thing with Winthrop. He did his own people right there in Boston. But William Penn... Roger Williams, and especially Eliezer Wheelock, because he starts with his church there, right? Then he goes on the Great Awakening, and he's traveling on horseback all over the place and preaching to thousands of people at a time. Then when he's done with that, he says, well, who else is out there to reach? He says, well, the Indians. They don't speak our language, or not very many of them. No one's teaching them. I'm going to teach them, because I feel bound to this great commission that Jesus gave us almost, well, for them it was 1,600 years ago. And this is what is um, fascinating then that, co that comes about from these American schools that's unique from schools throughout the rest of the world. Um, Ivy League schools Everyone hear that term before? Mm -hmm. They were, everybody know a couple? Princeton, Yale, Harvard, Cornell. There, I think there's nine. There's a couple other ones. that like, Brown is one. Like Brown University. Like I think maybe Pennsylvania University. There's a few other ones, but so. All of these, except for one, was founded primarily to study about God 
and for God to be the focal point of their learning. Cornell. And what's even more? She said, which one is not founded on God? And it's not a, no, it's, it is. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad, it's not. I'm not telling you it's a bad school or nobody should ever go there. But I will say that they are the only school, well, the first school at least, and probably one of the few ones where they specifically are founded as an atheist school. Well, what the heck? Yeah! I'd go there, like, as a blazing freshman just because. I think it'd be so funny. Well, there are, and there are, they have a big, uh, like, Christian union. If you've heard of Christian union before, they're big there and stuff. But... It is, it's interesting that they are the only one, but here's what some of the other mottos of the schools are. And they still, a lot of them still have the exact same motto today. Yale's motto in Latin means truth and light. So the light of the world, Jesus, and the truth of the world. Harvard's motto is for the glory of Christ. Well, I think they've since changed it. It was, I didn't do too much digging because it was proving difficult to just truth, I think, which is still okay. Princeton is under the protection of God, she flourishes, as in their school. Dartmouth's, do you want to guess what Dartmouth's is? Can God be trusted? No, this one's interesting. It's like under God we will cry or something. And you know, the only reason I looked this up because I had already known previously some of the other schools had very Christian mottos. It didn't come up in my looking, reading about Eliezer. I just figured they probably had a Christian one. And theirs is a voice crying in the wilderness. Yeah. Who? Okay, yes, we obviously we tie it to that because it's in the wilderness, right? But technically, if you think about who, it further and further, who was Well, is it Eliezer's, like, because... Where do they get that from? Who is that? It's, who was it's, in the woods uh, crying? What would you say, Gideon? John. Who? John the Baptist, right? What? He is the voice crying. Let's go to John chapter 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter one. Now, I will tell you that this is first, um, the first time this phrase appears in the Bible. It's Isaiah that writes it down. And it is Isaiah 40, verse three. But here is John quoting that and saying that it's him. Now, John has, um, remember, this is before Jesus has started his ministry. Nobody knows who Jesus is. And John the Baptist is down there by the river in the wilderness. He lives out in the wilderness. He wears uh, camel skins with a leather belt tied around it. He eats honey and locusts. So bugs and honey. He kind of sounds like a bear a bit. Yes, he's got a huge beard, long hair because he's in, he's taken the Nazarite uh, vow where he never cuts his hair. They only eat bamboo to eat the bugs inside of it. Not quite. <laughs> but So he's a wild, crazy looking guy and he's preaching down there that everyone needs to be baptized and to get ready for the Messiah. And all the Pharisees are like, He's starting to hear about this, and they're like, what is going on? And they send a couple of their peons down to ask John who he is. And they ask him, are you Elijah? Are you Isaiah? And this is what John says to them. Yep, verse 23. Which chapter? Verse one, chapter 1. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Esaias, which is the same as Isaiah. It's just Aramaic for 
Isaiah instead of Hebrew. Why did you scoff at, at the word Aramaic? I'm so mad about that. What? Boobs and Ray Cap. I was just reading those on the page. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. So, we see that Eliezer, I think, felt in a real sense compelled by the Great Commission, as we talked about, but that he is also, he's questioned by authorities around him, right? They don't like he's starting this Indian school. He is pushed to the ends of the earth that he knew at the time. He's right out on the wilderness reaching people. And I think he identified with that, that, that John the Baptist, that he's out there, he's an uh, oddball in society, and that he is there proclaiming the gospel in the wilderness for all who will come to him. Because that's a struggle that he has is that not everybody wants to listen. Not everybody wants to come. He only gets a few Indians, and he gets plenty of um, Western settlers who come. But he is, in the end, he's just a farm boy who first set his English-speaking, or her fir- first set his English-speaking people on fire in the Great Awakening, and then the Indians, who were rejected, outcast. Indians who felt like their world was turned upside down. I mean, you have to try to imagine that all of a sudden, obviously they'd been there for a while, but there's this people that came from across the water that are living in a totally different way and are changing the landscape, that it would be strange for them. It would be unsettling times. And... Eliezer was able to give them an opportunity to adjust, to adapt, and to have hope in the gospel. So he's a great example of somebody who who stands up, provides a way, provides an answer for people who are downtrodden, people who are who are um, in a hard way, and somebody who he keeps. Struggling and trying, and he really, he never became wealthy from anything, any of this stuff. Totally different from what you see from colleges now. Like how they have like those frat houses and parties, they get drunk a lot every now Well, that, but I was just thinking more of the college intu- intuition itself, the wealth. I know, like the outrageous of like $2,000. Very different from how he started out, but. They still have there in their motto, quote, right from the Bible. That, and that says something of how God has blessed this country. That we see that he honors the roots where it came from. And we don't know how long that will last. And the more that we can try to stick to those kinds of things, the more that uh, we can be honoring to God. All right. Thank you, guys. And we'll talk about someone else next week.